So do you come today and are you demon-possessed? Anybody? I don't know if we get any hands on that one today. Let's try it a different way. How about this? Are you demon-oppressed? Anybody? Are you kidding me? I figured we'd get lots of hands on that, folks. I I think everybody, you better be raising your hand, folks, because you are. You're demon-oppressed. It's around us every day, the demonic that which would thwart our relationship with God, those things that, that hang us up called sin, the things that tempt us away from our, that living, active relationship with, with the Savior who loves us first and best. Are you demon oppressed today? Thank you. Either that or you're just not awake today. You know, we do live in a demon oppressed society. I, I remember this, um, there was a movie some years ago called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And there was a quote in that movie that I think has great relevance for today. In the movie, there, there's this moment, and it says that, it said, whether you believe it or not, it still exists. And we live in a day and age where a lot of people more and more think or believe that evil and the demonic, it doesn't exist. I mean, we're too smart for that scientifically. We just can explain it all away. And you know what? A great victory for Satan, for the evil one, to convince people that he doesn't exist. Because then he can do whatever he wants. And we can chalk it up to our circumstances, chalk it up to, hey, I'm just wired this way. It's who I am naturally. Or I could just say, well, there just can't truly be a spiritual realm. The greatest thing he can do is convince us that he doesn't exist. Are you demon-possessed today? Maybe more likely you're demon-oppressed because it is around us all the time. You know, and as we enter into a realm today, there really is a correlation to mental health and the spiritual realm, and and a lot of these things have a crossover today, and I want to be very cautious in that, uh, because maybe you're in your family who've dealt with mental health issues on on a huge level. I know I have in my family, and I know well on the front lines of how difficult that can be, And, and, and we tie this in with, is that an unclean spirit? Is that all spiritual realm stuff? And I said, sometimes it can be. It's very much spiritual warfare. It can be. It isn't always, though. And that's where we need to be cautious today. But whether you are demon-possessed or demon-oppressed today, we carry into the room today our demons. Often that's an expression we use. I got my demons. And whether those are addictions, whether those are, are habits, whether those are ways of thinking or, or the sin that continues to entangle you, you got demons today. And maybe you just lost sight that they really are evil because you've been convinced they don't exist. You know, back in the, the days of huge mental health facilities, there was a a practice that became popular was a way to know if a patient was ready to be released back into society if they'd been there for some time. And and this is what they would do. It was a test um, that they'd uh, go into a room and they'd turn on a faucet on a sink and they'd stop up the sink until it was overflowing. And what they would do with the patient as a test is they would hand the patient a mop and send them into this empty room of an overflowing sink. And then they'd look through a one-way mirror or one-way glass and, and observe to see what would happen. Often what would happen is patients would start mopping up the mess and mopping up the mess and mopping up the mess. And if they kept mopping up the mess, that would tell them they weren't ready to be released. 
because they weren't intuitive to realize there was something on a deeper level that was the source of the problem. They were just dealing with the symptoms rather than going to the source. You know what we're going to do today is go to the source. The source of our struggle, the source of our challenge, the source of our problem, and also the source of healing today. And Jesus, the great physician, and actually, as we'll find out, Jesus, who actually in Scripture even is referred to as the great psychiatrist. This might surprise you, but we're going to find this to be true today. We're going to turn to God's Word. And um, we read this in our Gospel reading today, first of all, from Mark chapter 1. And Jesus encounters an unclean spirit, a, a demon that has possessed an individual. And, and here's the context. They went to Capernaum, it says. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue. He began to teach. So the word of God was going out. And the people, it says, as it often does in Mark's gospel, were amazed. They were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. And just as just then, a, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. Now listen to this, what he cries out. He says, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now that phrase, Holy One of God, appears three times in the Gospels. Two of those times is spoken by unclean spirits. Uh, they're calling out, Jesus, I know who you are. And, and they're calling out, you're the Holy One of God. And it's interesting that within that same sentence, in both contexts of the, the unclean spirit or the demonic shouting out who Jesus is, they also connect it with, have you come to destroy us? Now, from what you know about Jesus, the one who in John chapter 10, verse 10, says, you know, the, 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 the thief comes to steal and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Is our experience with Jesus that he's come to destroy or has he come to build up where there's death, bring life? You see how the demonic looks at it very different. Sees Jesus as one who's come to destroy. And, and why would that be? Because what we're dealing with is on the spiritual realm here and a fallen angel. And I mean, we can go into a long message about this today, but a little context, historical perspective here. When when heaven breaks out in war early on, in the context outside of time, and when this happens, where there is a falling away, and Lucifer and his angels, it's a set number of angels that God had created that then fell away, rebelled against God's will. And, and there's evil in this world. That's the beginning and the ushering in of the possibility of, of fallen brokenness in this world. We, we find this, and, and here they are saying, you've come to destroy us, because they know... The time is coming, and that time is short. And they're calling them on the carpet. Jesus, we know you've come to destroy us. You see this demonic play going out. But notice how Jesus responds. Be quiet, said Jesus. Come out of him. And with that, the impure spirit shook the man violently, came out of him with a shriek. And the people were all so amazed, they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching, and with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. This is a pretty profound moment. And, and I don't know, have any of you ever encountered a demon possession before? Um, 
I've, I've been told that you just know it when you see it. Um, this is not scientifically disproved that we say, oh, we don't believe in this anymore. No, it, it's very real. And uh, no, we don't see it as often in, in the United States because we're too smart for that. We've explained it away. We, we, we don't want to talk about that. But I, I, I know in the in context of friends that I've had that have served overseas and in, in different cultures and places or, or those who've served in, in the United States and seen it, when you see it, you know it. And, and here it is, truly a demonic possession going on. And Jesus shows us he has authority as almighty God over the spirit. It doesn't stand a chance. He casts it out and it leaves this man. There's a disconnect here, and I think we need to understand this. Whether we are demon-possessed or demon-oppressed, there's a distinction here. That the demons that battle us really do not need to define us. Because we have a God who has a heart for people, and people who are oppressed by the evil one. A lot of times we're convinced by the evil one, that's who we are, that's what defines us. And God already is showing us there's a separation here. That the word of God and the power of God in the midst of the demon possession, and I would add the demon oppression, has power to bring healing. He casts them out. Now, what are your demons today? You know, what, are, what do you battle in your life? When we talk about the demons, you know, the, the, whether it be an addiction, maybe it is alcohol, maybe it's even drugs, maybe it's a, a sexual addiction as, as our, our, our first reading today from Colossians talks about sexual immorality, literally sexual porneia is, is the word, pornography is where we get that word from. Maybe it's that kind of addiction where they've proven scientifically in the brain the chemical reactions that go on in viewing pornography for men and women, by the way, it's not just a male thing, that it's... It's very similar to a heroin addiction, the, the chemical reactions going on in the brain. Highly addictive and very overwhelming for those who are caught in it. Maybe for you it's worker, workaholism where you're just running from your problems by staying busy and, and drowning out your problems in other ways. Maybe you just can't stop eating to avoid life. Maybe for you it's a sin of pride. You think, I got it all together. I'm, I'm in good shape. I, I, I got my act together. I, I'm glad I'm not like those other people who have their lives messed up. I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm righteous. Maybe that's your problem, pride. It's amazing how Satan can attack us in a lot of different ways, sometimes seemingly on the surface, looking just fine and looking just good. And we continue to mop it up and make sure it looks good, but we're not really dealing with the problem. To deal with the problem, we need to go even deeper. I want to go ahead in, in Scripture a little further, and if you're following along in, in, in the Word, I want to just open up, if you take the, the worship Bibles, and turn to chapter 5 of, of Mark's Gospel. Because just a few chapters later, we find that, that Jesus deals with another unclean spirit. This time after getting off of a boat in the land of the Decapolis, or the, the ten cities in the land of the Gerasenes, Jesus gets off the boat. In Mark chapter 1, we find this. And, and what happens is as they get off the boat, so they've been battling a storm and a different kind of oppression through the night, says that a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet Jesus. An important note here. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. There's a supernatural demonic power in this guy. I mean, he's overwhelmed with, with anger and, and, and uh, 
and lashing out in violence. For he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. In fact, no one is strong enough, it says, to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and, and he'd, he'd cut himself. He was a cutter. He'd cut himself with stones. This man is in bad shape. This is, this is not a good existence. Um, where is he living? He's living among the dead, living in the tombs. What kind of existence is that? Living among the dead. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran, fell on his knees in front of him, and he shouted out at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? See, there it is again. I mentioned there's three times. This is the second time. The third time is when Peter is asked by Jesus, who do people say I am? And Peter declares, the son of the most high God. So positive way. Here it's more meant in the negative way in terms of you're an enemy against evil. And this man possessed by this demon lives among those who are dead. You know, whether we're possessed by a demon or we're oppressed by demons, it's often what happens is our perspective, which seems good to us, is to live among dead things. We continue to live in the habit. We turn toward the habit or turn toward the addiction or turn toward the sin or turn toward the bitterness or turn toward the rage and the anger or the unforgiving spirit. We turn toward it because it's dead stuff. And it looks good to us. We think, this is all I'm worthy of. This is all I deserve. This is where I'm meant to be. And we continue to just live in the ugliness and the darkness of death. And we wonder why mopping doesn't help. Because we're not dealing with the source. Yeah, I I found this interesting. Did some research on this and and learned it actually from um, Mr. Grothaus told me about there's a, a condition a psychotic condition, it's called walking corpse syndrome. Listen to this. Um, cases of, it's called Cowturd's syndrome, date back to 1788 when it was formally identified by a French neurologist, Jules Cowturd, in 1880. Among the handful of cases over the years was a 53-year-old woman in New York who in 2008 claimed that she stank like rotting fish because she was dead. Like a bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, schizophrenia cowherds is, is another form of delusional psychosis, the only self-certifiable form of its kind. There's a young girl they, they're interviewed too who for three years as a teenager thought she was dead. It was a mental condition. And I think, you know what, it's not as rare as you think. A lot of us walk around like a walking corpse syndrome. We live among the dead things in our life. They consume us. They fill our lives. They fill our occupation, our preoccupation. Our minds are set on the psychosis of what we can do next to dive into those things that tear us apart from God. The question is, how do we deal with the source today? How do you deal with it? You know, a man was walking one night, late at night, walking along, and it was very dark. There was no moon, just starlight. And And uh, he he decided to take a shortcut back to his house through a cemetery that was near his home. And and as he was walking through the cemetery, uh, unbeknownst to him, they had just recently dug a grave for a a funeral that was going to happen the next day. The man falls into the pit and into this grave. And he's like, ah, he's crawling and trying to claw at the sides to get out. And, And no matter what he can do, whatever he does, he can't seem to get out of the hole. 
and overwhelmed. I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm in a cemetery at night. I'm stuck in a hole. And finally, after several, several minutes that now will go into hours of trying to get out, he can't. And he resolves himself to say, you know what? I'm just going to have to wait till morning till somebody comes. Well, then it happens. About 4.30 in the morning, like me this morning, this man's out walking his dog, walking through the cemetery. The sun hasn't come up yet. He can hear him coming. And as this man's walking along, he falls in the pit. Ah! And he hits the bottom, okay? He starts crawling at the side, trying to get out. Can't get out, can't get out. And, and then he feels this hand come on his shoulder and says, you can't get out alone. He did. <laughs> I tell you that today because you can't. You can't get out alone. There's a reason why those, those groups throughout the years have discovered one of the first steps in healing for those who struggle with demons is realizing I'm powerless to change. You know, it's a biblical mindset and understanding. We truly cannot change ourselves. Well, to do so is just like mopping up, trying to get rid of the symptoms rather than dealing with the source of the problem. We are stuck in the grave. But that's where Jesus enters into this picture for us. If you want to know what the source of the answer to our problem in our dilemma of being stuck in the darkness of death among dead things, is the answer is a Savior named Jesus. And this is where it gets good. Let me read a verse to you from Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And it says this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. The word in Greek for life, the life that Jesus comes to give as a ransom for many is this word. In Greek, it is pesuke. Pesuke, which is a word for life and soul, all tied together. And it happens to be the word that we get psychiatry and psychological comes from psuke. Jesus is the answer. And he comes to give his life as a ransom for us. He would enter into the pit of the darkness of the grave, into death itself. He'd take it on himself. So that God comes to us today and says, set your eyes and your minds, not on things below, but on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, of this one who overcame death for you, who took your sin, took your demons, and he has authority to do something about it. And he cuts to the heart to say, you are not alone today. You're not stuck in that pit, but you can't get out alone. And the good news is, you're not, because our Savior rescues us. He is the ransom, the pesuke that sets us free. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come here maybe possessed and oppressed by demons. And they overwhelm us, Lord. We, we claw at the side and the claw at our circumstances trying to find a way out. Maybe our way of dealing with it is just to continue to mop up the mess and pretend it's not there and yet... The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting something to change, and nothing changes. But what we really need is to get at the source. And that source of our life today is sin. And we need someone to deal with it, to be that ransom that would bring healing. Lord Jesus, you are that great one, the pesuke, who gives his life for us. Lord, thank you for that ransom. And thank you for a focal point today to find healing 
Bless those who battle demons among us, Lord. May we continue to fix our eyes on you as the one who comes among us to bring that healing. We pray, Jesus, as you live now and always. Amen.